Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I'm so excited for you to hear from Donovan Thompson on this new episode of our podcast. Donovan's currently the Director of Player Development and Chaplain for the Houston Christian University football program. Just an incredible young man, understands the platform that God has given him through athletics to pour into the young man through the game of football and teaching them life off the field, spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally. So without further delay, let's jump right into it. Thanks for joining me today, Donovan. Man, thank you for having me. You bet. So let's just start this off with just give the listeners a little bit about who you are, um, maybe about where you're from, your family growing up, and your family today. Okay, I got you. So my name is Donovan Thompson. Uh, I was originally born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Fun fact, a lot of people don't know that about me. But at the age of five, uh, me and my mom, we moved down uh, to Houston, Texas. And Houston, Texas is the place where I was raised, uh, right on the north side of Houston, Texas. I grew up in a single-parent home, uh, just me and my mother. Uh, My grandmother played a big part in raising me. Um, I went to Westfield High School here in Houston. Uh, Grew up playing sports, grew up playing football, basketball, track. Uh, just keeping keeping my mom, just keeping me busy. Uh, was blessed and fortunate to earn a scholarship to go play football at Angelo State University. That's why I got my degree. Um, and shortly after that, did an ample amount of things. Uh, got into the corporate space. I was a business major. Got into the corporate space, started working in corporate a little bit. Even got into some teaching and coaching at the high school level. And then got, got back out of that, went back into corporate. And, and working in sales. So I've always been in some type of like sales role, whether that was in tech sales or whether that was in any sales. Um, and then that, and then also after college, working in, in, in serving in the, in, the, in the ministry space, uh, just serving my local church, <clears throat> ministering, uh, being a youth and, youth and young adults uh, minister at my church uh, after college. And then it landed me here, where now I work at Houston Christian University as the director of player development, team chaplain. Um, and the journey just keeps on ticking, man. It's just a road. It's just a journey. It's just a walk. That's awesome. So you you talked about working in the church, serving your local church. Mm-hmm. Um, at what point in your life did you realize that you needed that personal relationship with Jesus? It couldn't be your mom or grandmother's faith that had to be yours? Yeah, interesting question. Uh, you know, working in the church, serving, um, ministering, something I never wanted to do. Growing up, never expired to do it. Uh, I grew up in the house of faith. My mom is a, was a PK. She's a preacher's kid. I didn't get the opportunity to meet my grandfather, who was a pastor. She passed before I was born, but uh, my grandmother super super strong woman of her faith uh and when she retired she moved from milwaukee down to houston moved in with me and my mom wanted to get out of that cold weather and when she got there uh she just spent a lot of time with me we were either she either had me working with her in our, her garden with her plants or we we're going to church that's her two favorite things to do she loves to work outside and loves to go to church so she would drag me to church brought me to go to church and it was just kind of routine for me to be honest I just went because uh I was almost required to go but I was able to sit there and kind of get a little bit of those nuggets right of who 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 this this God named Jesus is mm-hmm. um but it didn't really hit me 
that I needed my own personal relationship with Jesus until I got to college. So when I got to college, uh, being a student athlete, having hopes and aspirations to just get to the highest level, I wanted to go to play in the NFL. I had a successful college career early on, was able to achieve all of the accolades that you can achieve as an individual player, played on some, you know, some playoff, college playoff teams, uh, won the conference championship, was able to be an All-American, break records and all this such. And I just thought I was on my way to this journey to the NFL. Also was able to make all the mistakes that you can make as a young and dumb and naive college student. And it got to a point where I was in college where I kind of hit this rock bottom dealing with, you know, various injuries. Um, I also became a a very young father, had had my son at about the age of 20, 21. And that shook my world up completely. Um, my son was the best thing that ever happened to me. But with then dealing with injury, realizing that my football career was about to get cut short and I didn't really know who I was outside of the game of sports. And then also stepping into fatherhood and not growing up with a fa- with a father, I didn't know exactly how I was going to be as a father. So I kind of hit this crossroads story where I had to figure out who I was mm. outside of what I did. And I didn't know any other way to do that, but, but to go to the one who created. Mm. Well, let me try this Jesus thing out. Let me really try to, to really bask myself in this relationship because I don't know who to go to. I don't know who to talk to. I don't know who can really define what my purpose is in life. And I'm at my, my lowest of lows. I'm at my deepest of depression because I don't feel like I have a sense of identity. And I know mm. I have so much life ahead of me. So let me go to the creator and find out. And that's how I realized I needed a personal relationship with the father. I need a personal relationship with the king. And that's kind of where it kicked off and started. You know, it's interesting because a lot of us grew up in the church, but it's not until we're older, perhaps going through something, or maybe it's not going through something as big as what you were going through, but it's being out on our own and realizing, oh, I need something. You know, I'm empty. I don't know how to get through life. Um, I've heard Tony Evans say it a number of times, and I, and I don't know, and I've said it on here on the podcast because it, it it seems to always come up, and I don't have the quote exactly, but basically what you described, I've heard Tony Evans say, sometimes we got to get, we have to hit rock bottom to realize that the rock is Jesus is all we, we have all we need, right? You know, right. and I think I, that's, I butchered the entire quote, but that's the picture you painted, right? You had to, mm-hmm. he had to get you to a point to where all you had was him. Yeah. I had to hit rock bottom to realize that he was the rock. There you go. That's it. So you said it much better than yeah. me. I should just shut up and let you, let you go. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and, and you, you use the word that I think um, comes up a lot you know, in life, but specifically in in athletics. And so in your role as director of player development chaplain at Houston Christian University, the word identity, you know, how do you communicate that with athletes today? I know you're at a private Christian university. You know, you can talk probably a little more open than than others. Um, But, you know, Identity is a is something that we all struggle with, but especially in athletics, because you're measured off of performance, you know, but it's really not that's not that's not identity, but that's what the world tells us. So how do you get athletes 
to to realize that their performance on the field is not who they are. Yeah, and and the thing is, I love athletics. I love sports. I think sports and team camaraderie is the, the greatest one of the greatest teachers of what life reflects. But what's dangerous about being an athlete growing up is when you're an athlete, whether it's you're a kid in the middle school level, high school level, college level, it's the only thing where as a young kid, you receive praise for by an action of such and what you do. Like, yeah, if you get mm-hmm. good grades, you receive praise. Yeah, if you, you do all these other different things, you, you receive some type of praise. But as an athlete, you have a crowd of people weekly celebrating you, championing you, cheering you on for how well you're doing at this specific action that you're doing. And it's very easy to find your, your identity in that. Like, hey, if I'm performing well, so now the metrics of who you think you are is a metric based upon performance instead of purpose. Right. Because on the contrary, yeah. not only are you cheered, you're also torn down. Yeah, you're also torn down. Based off of what you do on a Friday night or a Saturday afternoon. So, yeah. So for me, being a, being a former athlete, I, I I knew exactly what that felt like. I knew what exactly what it felt like to say, like, hey, if I had a good game today, I feel like I'm in a I feel like I'm amazing. If I had a bad game today, I feel like I'm terrible. And I know what it feels like to attach my identity to my performance. So I think for me, um, what I try to aim to do with the athletes is one, bringing that to light and recognizing that, hey, that is a thing and exposing it. And then two, also letting them know that like, hey, you're going to be you for the rest of your life, but you're not going to be an athlete for the rest of your life. You got a long life ahead of you. A lot of these, uh, a lot of these guys and young ladies that, you know, we're young, especially here on the college level, you have so much life ahead of you, Lord, uh, Lord willing, right? But eventually this vehicle that you're on and for football, or most of it's football team, I call it the football bus. Everybody's going to have their stop at some point in time. And you're going to have to get off that bus. And are you comfortable and do you know who you are when that bus stops and when you got to keep going along your journey of life and keep pressing forward? And then and we see it on every level. We see it if, whether you're, you only play it up to the high school level and, and it stops. Or if you're Tom Brady and you played 20 years in the league and you've done all you can do and won all the Super Bowls that you can win, you still got to know who you are afterwards. So it's just talking about it. It's exposing it. It's bringing it to, to the forefront bringing it to realization and also also making it a point to say like, Hey, you can play a whole lot more freer as an athlete play with a free state of mind when you're confident in who you are as a person and not only confident in how well you can perform. I think more now than ever, it's, it's at the, it's not just at the NFL college level. It's not just the high school level anymore. It's it's down to the youth travel ball and middle school yeah. sports. And um, you see so many kids just really struggle. You know, like you faced an injury or face a life crisis and that athlete athletics is taken away. I don't know many kids are just going to go back and go, well, I'll make good grades, right? <laughs> you know? So, yeah. I mean, it's identity is, is uh, it's huge. Um, it's something that as a dad, I mean, I've got three kids and it's, it's a struggle to instill that in kids that, um, because even as parents, we tend to look at our own kids and measure, you know, report cards, 
um, stuff they do around the house or whatever, but, you know, have to go back and go, you know what, son, daughter, you're a child of God. Number one, yeah. that's your identity. Your identity is yeah. not in what your report card at Coppola high school says this nine weeks. Yeah. That stuff's important, but it's not who you are. Yes. And, it, and it's a beautiful thing to be able to receive that because when I find my identity in Christ, I realize that God, Jesus, values me no matter how well I perform. That's right. No matter if I have a good day, no matter if I have a, a bad day, no matter if I make good grades, no matter if I make bad, bad grades, no matter if I'm out here successful, killing it in business and making all this money, or, or whether if I'm poor, whether if I am a sinner, or whether if I'm a saint, he still values me as his own, as his child, no matter what. So that is, to, to, to better answer your question, uh, I encourage my athletes to find their identity in Christ because that's the only really stable thing, the only really foundational thing that you can have. Right. You can find your identity in this world, in my opinion. Absolutely, because um, they could have an incredible career at yeah. Houston Christian, and then mm-hmm. they could graduate and have a great business career. But at some point, it may be mm-hmm. the minute football is taken from them, it could be 10 years later. They're going to hit a crisis, and if that identity is not in Jesus, then you know that storm's going to, you know, potentially have some catastrophic um, consequences. Yeah, that's good. We could probably talk all day on that. That's a yeah. that's a big subject. <laughs> so you talked about working in the business world, working at church, and now you know your current role at Houston Christian. How did you? Let me ask just kind of kind of two two questions in one. How did you get into being player development, team chaplain, and then is there somebody in that profession that kind of mentored you along, or mentors Absolutely. you along? Absolutely. Um, how I got into it really was just a god thing. I remember when I played sports, uh, and shortly after college, and, and working in ministry. Um, when I when I really got my when I really got into my relationship with, with God and really just started uh, serving and getting healed for some things, healed from some traumas, I really had a heart for athletes. I really had a heart for uh people who were like me, people who found their identity in their performance. And I and I told God, I remember praying one day, I was like, man, I really want to do something about that. I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know what that felt like. I didn't know what that I didn't know if there was a roadmap or a blueprint to what that would be. I was like, man, God, I just really want to help that sector, that that demographic of the world. I want to help people in sports. Um, and I had no idea what player development was. I had no idea. I didn't have much knowledge about being a, a chaplain for a, a program. I didn't think that I was ready at, or anything. I just I just felt the desire and kind of pulled on my heart. And I didn't know that it was a job for it. So I started just applying for jobs, got into the corporate space. And then I just started using my relationships from either old coaches or old programs that I played for, or coaches that are at different programs. to just, hey, can I just come, come, can I just come pull up and just be involved? Can I just come pour into these guys? Uh, can I just come spend time with the, with, with, with the guys that you have and just kind of just love up on them, nurture them? And then just kind of give them what I wish that was given to me when I was in their shoes. So I spent a lot of time going up to my old high school, 
uh, I would go up to back to Angela State and spend time with those guys. And then years fast forward, I'm on Twitter and I, run, I come across a, this guy named Mikado Henson, mm. who is director of player development and team chaplain at Texas A&M at the time. And I didn't know much about him at that time. Uh, as I got to know him, gotten to hear his name more, I realized he was just a rock star in the space, right, when it comes to just sports ministry. And I, I just shot him a DM. Uh, and I was like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm really intrigued and really inspired by what you do. Uh, I was like, I don't want, I told him, I was like, I don't want, want anything from you. I just want to just pick your brain. I just want to talk to you. I just want to see like, man, how'd you get into this space? Like what, it, what does player development look like? And he was nice enough to, I guess, see my heart. Uh, and, and we, we exchanged numbers. We talked first time we talked, we probably talked for like a, a little over an hour or so. And he just kind of just been, uh, a big brother in, in the space to me ever since. Now, that was three, maybe four years ago, story. Uh, and at that time, I still actively wasn't pursuing being a, a player development guy, nor was I actively pursuing working in sports. But a year ago, a year around this time, me and Mikado, we kind of kept in contact. We'll check, check in on, on each other from time to time. And uh, randomly, I get a phone call from him a year ago and he's just like, Hey, hey Donna, what's up? What are you up to? So nothing, man, just working, uh, living good. I was at that time. I was still working in sales. I was working from home, uh, all those different things, <clears throat> uh, living, living good. Nice little office space in my apartment. It's chilling. And he was like, man, I just got off the, he told me, he's like, I just got off the phone with the head football coach at Houston Christian university. And they're looking to, start a player development program. They want a, a guy that's a chaplain. They want a man of faith. And they asked me or asked him if he knew anybody that would be good for the position. And asked, he asked them to give them, he said that he asked them to give him them a list of people that would be good for them to consider an interview. And then he, his response was, I can either give you a list or I can give you the one. Hmm. I was like, man, I'm like, well, who is that guy? <laughs> I'm talking to him like, well, who is that? And he yeah, says, Yeah, who is the one, right? <laughs> like, who is the one? He's like, Well, I thought that you would be perfect. So, would you, would you be open to having a conversation with? And I was just like, Man, I uh, wasn't really expecting a transition in life right now. But if so, yeah, like, I guess I'll, I'll be open to have a conversation with him. And he was just like, Okay, great. I'm having you call in a few seconds here. And I was just like, All right, whoa, this is happening fast. And then I, I shortly after that, um, the head coach program called me. We sat and had a conversation. We hit it off. We, we, we met up a couple of days after I had lunch and I prayed on it and they offered me the role and offered me the position and we made it work and boom, I was here. So now, And I've been here since June 1 of uh, 2022, so almost coming up on a year now and didn't know what it was going to look like, didn't know what, exactly how I wanted to navigate through it, uh, but Mikado has done an amazing job of kind of mentoring me and connecting me with other people that are in the same position, in the same role. And it's a countless of people that have been uh, just pushing me, helping me put my thoughts together, making it more clear and more concise. Ed Jones has been one of those people. Uh, Chauncey, who was at T TCU, has been one of those people. 
uh, just countless of guys. I don't want to just list uh, list. I don't want to go on a list because I don't want to miss nobody. But it's been a right. it's been a large fold of people that have been. Iron, it's just been iron sharpening iron that I'm grateful for. That's awesome. Yeah, I love Mikado. I was able to to meet him. Um, he was a guest on here and has done some other things with our with our ministry and um, just my my in laws live in College Station. So we're able to have breakfast last year. Just what an incredible incredible guy, right? Yeah. Just makes time makes time for anybody. Right. And and just such an encouragement. That's that's awesome. Um, you got a good mentor for sure. So how do you let me ask you this? So I also know you're also involved in a church plant. So you got this full time job of football. You're involved in planting a new church. You're a you're a dad. How do you balance all that? And how do you how do you stay grounded spiritually for your own self? with all the other stuff going on, right? I mean, how do you take care of Donovan's spiritual walk with all the, you know, job, church, being a dad? I have to give all credit to my routine. I had to a year ago, a little over a year ago, well, last year, uh, I knew I needed to establish some type of routine, have a system, have a plan for each and every day. And I read this book. It's one of my favorite books that I've ever read. It's called The 5 a.m. Club by Robin Sharma. Uh, and it just talked about the power of having a routine, the power of having a system to your day and how to set time in your day and schedule time in your day to take care of yourself and do multiple other things. So um, I, it made me want to become an early riser. So every day, for the most part, I wake up about 5 a.m. around that time, around that window. And I spend the first part of my day, uh, no phone, uh, not responding to emails, not responding to text messages. And I just spend that, that time about just 30 minutes to an hour of just prayer, meditation, uh, either reading my Bible, reading my word, and being a part of a church plan and also being a chaplain. Sometimes you can get caught up in just reading to pour, like reading to right. give it to somebody. Exactly. Instead of just reading, yeah, instead of just reading to eat. Uh, so I... I've gotten to that place where that's my window of time where I'm I'm reading and studying and spending time with God to receive, not to receive to give out, but to receive for myself. Um, and then I work out. Right after I do that, I go to the gym, I work out. And that has that that's just what I enjoy to do. It keeps me healthy, keeps me confident, uh, uh, it keeps me feeling like I'm still an athlete at times. Uh, uh, so I go to the gym, get, get my workout in, grab a quick breakfast, and then I come in, I, I shower, come, then come into work. And then I just make sure that my day is on the schedule. So I, I've become a slave to the calendar. Every day is, is is calendared out. Everything that I do in the day, I make sure that I, I plug it in play. And it's not just, all right, I have a meeting at this time. I have a one-on-one with a player at this time. Uh, I'm going to go out to practice at this time. I make sure I set time in my day to where uh, I schedule free time to do whatever I schedule dad time. Like, Hey, I know when I get home from and, and pick up my son and it's that five 30 to bedtime window on a Wednesday night, that's what I'm doing. And I'm sticking to that and I'm not allowing anything else to get in the way of that. So it's all power in a routine. And I'm, it's something that I'm trying to, I'm still trying to master. I'm still getting the hang of, but since I've implemented, 
that in, in my life, it's been extremely great uh, and extremely helpful as far as from a balance piece. You said something there that really stood, you know, really stood out because whether you're in ministry or what, whatever, wherever you are, it's right. very easy to read, to study the word, to read other growth books because we need to pour into whether it's our family, whether it's somebody at work, uh, whatever. But it's so easy for us to neglect ourselves. Right. And just like you said, study the word to, to feed ourselves. And that's that's something I think we all struggle with from time to time. I'm a routine person. I'm up early in the morning. Um, and if if I decide to sleep in even on the weekend a little bit later and other people in the family are up when I get up, it throws my entire day off. You know, so even on weekends, get up early, have that time when nobody else is awake, you know, no distractions. Um, that's that's critical. And I don't have it perfected, but um, I, I do believe in in that. And I just think, too, you, you mentioned going to the gym and this is a whole nother conversation as well. But I've done some reading over the last year or two that our physical training. There is a parallel with our spiritual life. Right. And, it, and it's in the Bible, you know, multiple places about taking care of ourselves and. But I think if we slack in that, it, it impacts the spiritual side too. So anyway, we can we won't go down that rabbit hole. But no, I love it. I love. I, I'm a routine person. So you were speaking my language there. That's awesome. How how do you encourage athletes, or how would you even encourage a coach that may be listening that maybe is not struggling with their identity? They they understand that athletics is a platform, but they're just struggling with that that boldness or taking the next step to, to be bold and, and really use athletics to, to impact others for Christ. How would you encourage that coach or athlete that's listening right now to, to take that step in boldness? That's a really good question, Stuart. Um, I would encourage a player or a coach to use this beautiful game as a platform to express a beautiful life so it's like we already have the platform you already are there uh and if you really truly want to build a make an impact and if you really truly want to build winners let's use this uh as a tool to not only win games but to win in life and i think the only way that we can win in life is if we join teams with the one who has never lost a battle mm. And if God, if Jesus has affected you in such a way to where now you know who you are, like Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. You shouldn't be ashamed to spread that news, to spread that gospel, because that very platform that you have as a player or that very platform that you have as a coach can reach out and touch somebody and expand the kingdom, reach out and touch somebody and introduce that person to a God who loves them, a God who values them a God who died for them, a God who saves them, which is Jesus, we shouldn't be ashamed to do so. The gospel is good news. That's right. Let's not get away from that. So we should embody that good news and want to share that good news as much as we can. I I would would encourage um, a, a coach that. I would encourage a player that. 
I would encourage a janitor that. I would encourage a principal that. I would encourage a teacher that. I would encourage a plumber that. Wherever we are in the marketplace, if we if we have received the good news, we should be bold enough to share it because because it's not about us. That good news wasn't just for me. It wasn't just for you, Stuart. That good news was for all of the world. That's right. The Bible talks about how God desires that all men be saved. That's what he wants. Uh, that's what he desires. That's what he yearns for. That's what he died for. So that that would just be my encouragement to them to just make it bigger than what it is. It's bigger than ball. It's bigger than X's and O's. It's bigger than wins and losses. Reading the book of John this month, as I often do, whatever month Easter is, and something st- stuck out to me today. I'm, I'm not, not not today, but but this week in John 12, that really has never stuck out before. Um, if you're not familiar with John 12, anybody listening, it's a long chapter, and I struggle with attention span at times. So if if it's got more than 20-some verses in the chapter, I may check out, right? But, you know, it, it's verses 42 and 43. It just really stuck out, and I've been marinating on it all week. You know, it's about, you know, the Jewish leaders who believed Jesus. They saw all of his miracles, but they wouldn't publicly confess him. And, you know, and he says, for they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. And I think that's the danger we run into is even as believers, the dangerous road is we, it goes back to our identity, our identity discussion as well, but it kind of goes into not being bold is because we're scared of what man is going to say. If I'm bold with my faith, I could, I could get ridiculed. I could ultimately lose my job, but what's more important, glorifying God or pleasing man. And I've been really, um, to me, that's a heart check verse. And I've been really um, marinating and contemplating that all week and just trying to evaluate my own heart. And because I think we all go through times when that's a struggle. Yeah. Right. So anyway, I kind of, I didn't mean to hijack that, but that's been a verse that just hit me this week. I've never, I've read John a number of times, but those verses never popped off the screen, off the pages like they did this week and probably for a reason. So so good. good. And it's, it's, it's that battle, it's that battle between uh, as believers in Christ and as, just as, as humans, man, we, we want to make everybody comfortable. That's right. Uh, we want to make everybody comfortable. We don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. And, and I get it. Like I, 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 I too want every, everybody around me to be comfortable. But the, the problem is Jesus wasn't concerned about making people comfortable. That's right. Jesus was disruptive. Uh, Jesus was loving and disruptive in a loving way, but he was disruptive. And uh, he, he knew his assignment. And I think for us, I mean, if we, if we want to follow the blueprint in which he set for us, uh, the blueprint of God wrapping himself in flesh and revealing to him, revealing to us himself in human form, we want to follow that blueprint. We should be able to boldly be able to do that with our lives. And I, I think it's, it's, his, it's his will that we do so. So I can go on, a, I can speak on a tangent, go on a rabbit hole about that all day. <laughs> yeah, we could. It, it, yeah. But, but you're right. It, yeah. That is, I mean, the last thing he tells us yeah. before he ascends up to heaven is go 
Therefore, make disciples of all men, teaching them, you know, what I've taught you. So, I mean, it's not if it's comfortable for you, go tell your friends and family and coworkers about me. Not, not, Hey, if your job allows it, go do it. It's, it's go and do it. Not, there's no conditions around it. Right. But you're right. We all, we all like to be comfortable. We all like for others to be comfortable around us. And so I think we do sometimes hesitate because um, it may make somebody uncomfortable. It may make it may make me uncomfortable, or it may make someone in my company that's around me, not company as in corporation, but company as in people around me. It may make them uncomfortable, and I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable because everybody's got to be happy. And you know, yeah. but but you're right. Jesus, as loving as he is, very disruptive in a good yeah. way. And I want to say this, Stuart, because I want to I want to throw this disclaimer out here for the audience. I'm not I don't I'm not saying I don't think we are saying that we sh- you should be this super Christian walking around right. and uh, throwing scripture all the time. What I'm saying is the way that you live your life. That's right. People people are fruit inspectors. When people look at other people, they are expecting they're they're. It, it, inspecting the fruit of their life that's right so we should be so engulfed in our relationship with god and filled with his spirit that we have the fruit of the spirit when people see when people see you they should see joy they should see love long suffering they should see peace they should see love they should see all of the different things galatians 5 they should be able to see that in your life and be say and say hey it's something different about that guy why does that guy love me so much? Right? Why does that guy love me? So much? <laughs> well, how? Do, yeah. Why? Why? Why is it all this chaos going on at work, and that guy over there has so much peace within himself? Why? Like I, I know what his he's going through. I know what his family is facing right now, and he still believes. I'm, I'm curious about that. So, if we really embody and really open ourselves up to receive the spirit of the God that we call that the that the God that we serve, the God that we believe in. It should produce the fruit of his spirit. And when people see the, the fruit in our lives, when people can inspect the fruit in our lives, it brings forth curiosity. It brings forth questions like, man, I, I need to know about this, about this Jesus. And, and when we, even when we see, even when we study, and I don't want to go into a whole preaching thing right now, but it's even when we study the Gospels and we study the life of Jesus and all the miracles that he performed, the miracles, he wasn't doing miracles to flash his power. That's right. He wasn't doing miracles to flex his muscles. They all had an intention and a purpose behind it. And usually there was a sentence that followed every miracle in the Bible uh, when Jesus performed it. And, and it always says, and then they believed. So for us, our lives, people are overcomers overcome by the, the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. They should be able to look at our lives and see Jesus in it. And their faith should increase, not just based upon what we tell them, not just based upon what we're the scripture that we throw at them. They should see the fruit of Jesus in our lives, the impact of Jesus in our life, and want to get to know him. That's a great, great disclaimer. I'm glad I'm glad you you put that out there because you're right. Because I think some people could take our conversation and go, okay, well, I need to have this real big study Bible on my desk. I need to walk around with the Bible in my hand. 
I need to wear, you know, God is dope t-shirt every day or whatever, you know, and those things aren't bad. Right. Yeah. But we all know people and we've all done it, quite frankly, if we're very honest with ourselves, we've all done that. But yet our words and our actions didn't line up with that. Yeah. You know, and that's the danger. But if, if, if I'm so focused on my personal relationship with Jesus, then I am going to, I'm going to love others. Well, I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to be a better dad. I'm going to be a good friend. I'm going to be a good coworker. And then people, like you said, they're going to be curious and go, man, Donovan, you, you faced all these injuries. You've, you know, you've, you're going through a hard time, but man, you still got some joy. Yeah. You know, how do you have that joy when you're, I mean, you, you're going through a lot of crap right now, you know, but you're joyful. Um, that's good. That's good stuff. So let me ask you um, one of my favorite questions, because I love to go back to these. Um, a lot of people that grow up around faith, they have a life verse. Or I'm going to ask, you know, if you have one, fine. Or is there a verse that, you know, God's really shown you lately that you would share to, you know, encourage, encourage us? The verse that changed my life story, my life verse. I'm, I'm going to go with James chapter 1. One through three, and it says, "Consider it all joy, though we may fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of our knowing that the testing of our faith <clears throat> uh, produces patience, and allow that patience to have its perfect work in you, so that you may be made complete and lacking nothing." That verse right there, Stuart, changed my life. Consider it all joy when you fall into various trials. Because my whole entire life, growing up in the circumstances that I grew up, growing up in the environment that I grew up, uh, being having a single mom, facing all the things that I faced, whether it was injuries, things in personal life, losing people, all these other different things. The fact that I can consider it all joy going through those trials and going through those tribulations, knowing that God was going to use what was meant for evil to good, that all things work out for the good of those who love the Lord, that Good and bad are not in opposition of one another that happens in my life. Good and bad are actually in partnership uh, with each other that happens in my life, that God is going to use the bad things that I face to create something in me that's going to produce a good thing. That changed my life. Story. That right there made everything make sense to me. Like, oh, it's a reason why I went through that. It's a reason why I suffered that. And that suffering wasn't meant to destroy me. That suffering was meant to refine me. That though I went through that heat, though I went through that pressure, I came out as pure gold. Mm. That though I faced that, though I had to go through that process, though I had to go the long way, I had to take the long route, it was worth it because I was able to pick up so much more along the way. Yeah, that's that's powerful when we truly grasp that scripture. Because yeah. it's not counted joy if you go through trials. When Right. So it's 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 going to happen. You either, you know, I've always heard it said and, and, you know, I try to remind myself of this all the time. I'm either coming out of something, I'm in something or I'm headed to something. Yeah. Right. And so count it all joy, not not if, but when. And then I love James one, because right after those verses, then it's if you lack wisdom, ask. ask. So I'm yeah. going through these trials. Here's why I'm going through the trials and to get through them. Ask God for some wisdom. 
you know, and he gives generously. So, yeah, James one is always, always, yeah. always and the one fact of my that, favorites. The fact that I can ask while I'm going through those trials shows that I'm not going through it by myself. Bingo. And that right there blesses me every time because no matter whether I'm out of just coming out of a storm, like you said, in a storm or getting ready to go into one, the person that I'm walking with is with me every step of the way. And that blesses me. And probably oftentimes when I'm going through a storm and we get on the other side, I'm sure Jesus is thinking, just like he did to, to the disciples multiple times. I'm sure he looks at me and yeah. says, oh, you have little faith. Why yeah. did you doubt, Why right? <laughs> but James 1 tells us right there, I mean, the purpose of it and ask for wisdom. Because he gives generously, and so he doesn't have to look at me and go, Stuart, you knucklehead, why are you doubting me? Yeah. You know, that's good stuff. I love it. Well, I appreciate it. I know we bounced around a couple of times trying to trying to make this happen, but I, I truly believe these things happen in God's timing. So I appreciate your time, and I love your I love your story and and just your passion for um for Christ and and then, and just living out the the Great Commission, whether it's you know in your role at Houston Christian or church or um, just wherever you are, I just I think your your passion is is contagious, and I I really 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 appreciate your time. And I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thank you again to Donovan for taking time to share his story and just encourage me personally. Hopefully, encourage you to to be bold in your faith, and no matter what you're going through, to to have fruit through that, whether it's a trial or or successes, to have joy, peace patience, self-control, that when others look at how you live your life day by day, they would see Jesus and how you love them and how you go through trials and and and, and even handle successes. So I, I just hope you were as encouraged as I. I would ask you to share this episode with someone in your life, a friend or a family member you know that may need some encouragement, share it. And if you don't subscribe to our podcast, whatever platform you're listening to, hit the subscribe button. We'd love to hear from you. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, in the search bar. Just type in All In Sports Outreach. You can go to our website, allinsportsoutreach.org. We'd love to, to hear from you, get your feedback. We covet your prayers. Social media, our website, you can also find opportunities to to serve with us, to pray for us, and to give. Thank you again for your support, most of all, your love and your prayers.